0: Our text of emphasis this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. It says there this, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they have been told here. Let's pray. God, as we consider this story, we pray for insight and understanding on you and us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's a a very familiar story. In fact, I would guess if you are uh, a church-going person, you've heard this at least uh, once a year. Uh, Joseph called to take part in a census, and so he goes back to the hometown of his uh, family. Mary, his a bride to be incredibly pregnant. There's no room for them to stay, and so they find themselves in a barn in a back alley. And there, uh, Mary gives birth to a baby, a baby Jesus. An angel then makes an appearance at night to shepherds who are out in the fields near Bethlehem. And these shepherds then hurriedly go to find. Mary and Joseph and the baby, and then return to the countryside, glorifying and praising God, the text tells us. It's incredibly uh, familiar. Uh, With that said, I want to focus specifically today on the message that this angel uh, has given to these shepherds out in the field. Now, I have never been a shepherd. I don't know much about shepherding. Uh, or any kind of animal husbandry. I'm only a husband to a wife. So, so I'm not sure what exactly was going on out in those fields but I'm imagining that it was dark. Says it was an, at night, there's no artificial light. They're guarding their sheep, they're working class people. I would think that this is a pretty simple job at night. I would, sheep sleep. Do sheep sleep? Do we know that? Does anyone know that I'm, they have to sleep, right? So I'm imagining they're sleeping. The guys are out there. It's very dark, and suddenly a messenger comes to them that has is full of light. In fact, the Bible says that the, the shepherds were surrounded by this night, and so this was terrifying. One could imagine, and thus the angel comes to them with these words: "Don't be afraid. I bring you good news." that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. So I'm reading this very familiar passage and I'm thinking of coming and sharing with you uh, today. And the message of this uh, angel uh, jumped out to me. Good news that will cause great joy for all all people. Now, maybe it's my cynicism, but in my years of ministry, I'm not sure that I could really say that the message of the birth of Jesus has really been a good news for all people that creates great joy. Uh, just because I know a lot of people, even if we're talking about all people being people who uh, proclaim to be followers of Jesus. I know a lot of people who proclaim to be followers of Jesus who don't have a whole lot of joy in their, certainly even their religious experience. This this assertion by the angel that this news is gonna bring great uh, joy, it just doesn't seem to be to, to correspond with my experience. I know a lot of people who have heard this message and it just doesn't create great joy. So I wanna explore this for a few minutes with you uh, today as we think about the birth of Jesus. Why isn't it that there's not more joy surrounding the birth of Jesus? Why hasn't this good news brought great joy to uh, so many? What's what's going on? This is the promise of the angel. And so I have a couple of uh, thoughts to share with you on this subject. Why not more great joy? Why all too often are even even Christians incredibly bummed out about their experience, and that this really hasn't, hasn't done it for them when the angel promises great joy is to come. So a couple of suggestions on this. First of all, uh, I would suggest to you that the implications of the angel's news is often applied far too narrowly, in far too narrow a manner. Um, it's well documented that in Jesus' day, the idea of a savior or messiah in fact, that language, the language of Messiah triggered in those working class guys out in the field an, an image. It's well documented that the Messiah concept in first century Judaism related for most to the political situation that they were currently in. They imagined that the Messiah was going to come and help them uh, to overcome the tragic political situation that they found themselves into. They were ruled by a foreign power, the Roman a government ru- ruled over all of Judea, over all of Palestine. And so, uh, when we're in uh, times where, let's say a political situation dominates the cultural landscape, everything tends to be understood in the context of that situation, or in this of uh, politics. So any good thing that happens, any bad thing happens is related to, for them in first century uh, Judea, the politics of the time. In first century Judaism, Jewish residents are going to interpret everything that happens in the context of their political situation because they're almost obsessed with that uh, reality for them. And so when they hear that the Messiah is coming, the first thought is, yes, we are going to be rescued from Roman rule. Now, I think this is understandable. If you are consumed uh, with with anything, are presented with news, it's not unnatural that you are going to interpret that news in uh, the context of your current situation or your current maybe even obsession. Uh, If politics are what you are worried about, any good news you hear or bad news is likely to be interpreted in the context of your political uh, worldview. In the current political environment in the United States, uh, where there is a lot of Attention! You think about it. Almost any news that uh, that we get today uh, leads to the question: What does this mean for the Trump administration? Right? Regardless of what side you're on, if something happens in the world or something happens in the United States economy, the first question is because this is on everybody's mind: What's what's going to happen with the current presidential administration? Again, whether you're for or uh, or against. People are thinking about, uh, about politics. People are concerned about politics. And so news we hear is interpreted in the context of the political situation of the day. And this is like it was in first century Judea. The Messiah is coming. What does this mean for our situation where we're ruled by the uh, Romans? But here's the problem. What if the news, the, the good news, that the angel brings to these shepherds out in the field is bigger than any current political obsession that they may have. Uh, what if this news transcends uh, whatever they may be currently worried about, or we may be currently worried about? I mean, the Roman government came and went. It, it's Nobody's worried about the Roman uh, government anymore because it's, 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 it's gone. Uh, but the gospel of Jesus remains. Uh, President Trump will come and go. He's here now, but he is going to go at some point. Uh, Neither the Democratic Party or the Republican Party are eternal. Can we all say amen? Amen. Thank God. (laughs) Neither of them are are, are eternal. Things come and go. And the angels coming and bringing an eternal message that that transcends the political situation of the day. Sometimes we, we uh, put the, the gospel in the context, a narrow context of our current situation, our current obsession, and we lose out on what the gospel is really, really about and what we can gain for that, and therefore we lose our opportunity for great joy. The gospel, the good news transcends our current contemporary uh, context. Um, Secondly, I would suggest to you that the good news that the angel brings has too often been institutionalized. The good news has been institutionalized. Um, As Jesus grew older, became a a young man, and then he started uh, teaching in his early 30s, uh, it was nearly impossible for a contemporary hearer, hearers, especially those who were intimately involved in the institutional religious system of the day, it was nearly impossible for them to hear what Jesus was saying uh, without that being interpreted through all the institutional knowledge and 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 uh, pressure that they uh, experienced. It was just incredibly difficult. And Jesus Jesus refers to this challenge in Luke chapter five. He told them a parable. It says, uh, "No one." tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst the skins and wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Jesus is commenting on the fact that, hey, He's coming with a message, but that message is being interfered by all the institutionalism of the contemporary religious uh, organization and that people just could hardly hear or understand what he was trying to uh, communicate. New wine, old wineskins, it's very difficult to overcome uh, institutional practices, institutional uh, beliefs. When things get institutionalized, uh, they become just one of many, and certainly this is true of the good news. When the good news is just one of the many things that the church is worried about, then the good news loses its uh, power. When when the church or organization is, uh, is worried about you know, retirement plans for employees and building new church buildings and uh, organizing a lot of events, the good news just becomes one more thing in the long list of things that the church should be doing and so the good news has been institutionalized and, and that, that means that we lose out on the, the value, the great joy because it's just one of a bunch of things that the church talks about. Religious leaders have had a very difficult time understanding Jesus because they were so obsessed with the institutional nature Subconsciously or consciously of the system that they were in, that it was hard for them to even hear what Jesus was saying. Finally, I would uh, suggest to you that the good news has too often been presented as uh, bad news. The good news has too often been presented as bad news. I mean, the, uh, the purpose of Jesus' birth. Uh, is often presented as uh, one coming from God to be our, um, to be our example in all things. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, Jesus is certainly a good example. But saying that Jesus' primary role was to come from God and be an example is actually, I suggest to you, really bad news. In fact, it's terrible news. Because if Jesus is our example, and our job is to live up to the example of Jesus, we are in desperate trouble. Um, I'm in desperate trouble. (laughs) I mean, I'll speak for my, I'm in desperate trouble. If if, if Jesus' role was to come be an example, and my job is just to follow in line with what he's done, I'm in in terrible trouble because I, I haven't followed very well. You guys with me here? If Jesus' primary role is an example, we are all in desperate trouble because there are very few of us, yea, none of us, who are really living up to the example that Jesus set. Isn't that true? I mean, you think about your own experience, your own brokenness. You're not living up to the example that Jesus has has set. And so if his primary role is an example, we are in desperate, desperate, desperate trouble. Um, Christmas is a couple of days away. You guys know that, right? Two of them, just so you wouldn't forget. Um, anybody done? Chris, have you done your Christmas shopping yet? You guys do Christmas shopping? No, yeah. yeah. No, no, Hannah. By the way, welcome back, Hannah. Good to have you here, all the way from Columbus, Ohio. Hannah, good to see you. But you haven't. You don't do Christmas shopping. I haven't. Yet, but tomorrow. Oh, Hannah, I got bad news for you. <laughs> uh, bad news. It's bad out there. It's bad out there. Um, I mean, thank goodness for Amazon. I know it's taking over the world, and our lives are all going to be owned by Amazon, but I'm thankful for Amazon because I got all the Christmas shopping done, and I barely had to step in a store. But, so anyway, you do your Christmas shopping. Hannah, we're going to pray for you afterwards because it's rough after that. Uh, so Christmas is coming. It's two days away. Now, I have kids, two boys and a little girl. My boys and a little girl, but, but she's a little young for them right now. They are into Legos. You know the Legos? The most powerful, this is true, the the, the biggest toy company in the entire world, Legos. They rule. Um, Anyway, Legos, so they're into Legos. I don't see them here, so I can tell you. So, and they don't watch the video. I try to make them watch, but then it just doesn't work. Um, That's a joke, I don't make them watch. It'd be child abuse. Um, Anyway, by the way, you can find the videos on AvanHope.org. Okay, so Legos. So, listen, you, you get Legos. I might have purchased a Lego or two. So, imagine now that the boys, very excitedly, they open their presents. I would say, Suzanne, she's into Legos too, but she's a little young. So, they open the Legos, and they see the box. And on the box is a... On the box of the, the Lego is always the picture of what it's supposed to be. You know, what it's very complex and whatever. But imagine they open the box and inside of the box is nothing but the instructions, no, no pieces to play with. Do you know what a bummer that would be? That would be a terrible bummer. you got a picture of what the, the thing is supposed to be, but then, and then you have inside the instructions, but there's no material to actually play with. You guys with me here? If Jesus is only, his primary role is our example. We are in desperate shape because then the, the story of Jesus and the Bible itself is nothing but an instruction manual for us. And, and, and we're given this beautiful picture of how things should look. And then we're supposed to just take out the instruction manual and get it done. But all the material that actually is, is, is for the doing, for the making, and the putting together isn't in there. That's the biggest bummer of all time. And this is what happens when the gospel is presented as Jesus coming to be an example for us from God alone. Again... Jesus is a wonderful example, but if that's it alone, we are in desperate trouble because we are never, ever, ever going to get it together and be like Jesus on our own. You got the instruction manual for the Legos and no Legos to actually play with or put together. We are in debt. That's going to be a very, very sad Christmas day. You guys with me here? Jesus' primary role was not to provide a manual for how we should live. The Bible is not a manual for how we should live. The Bible is the story of God's work on our behalf through Jesus. Jesus' primary role was to provide the actual power and material for which we live. His life helped us to see who God actually is. His death provided the ability for us to be forgiven, the actual material for us to live a new kind of life. His resurrection foretells what is going to happen to everyone who embraces a relationship with him, not just in the future, but now, lives that are changed and transformed and made new. This is the promise of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus is not just an example. He came and did what we cannot do. He gives us power. He gives us the material to live a new kind of life, and this is why the good news is good news. Good news is bad news when it's just an instruction about how to live. And the Bible is just an instruction, and the church offers classes and says, hey, get it together. This is what kind of person you're supposed to be. That ends out being bad news because none of us are ever going to live up to the example that Jesus has given. It's just not going to happen. God has worked and done something that we couldn't do. In Ephesians chapter 2, and verse... We have to read this at Christmas. It's by grace that you've been saved. Through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift. And the season of gifting. It is a gift. A gift is a free gift. I've given gifts this, this Christmas. I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm going to give a gift to Jude. I'm going to give a gift to Levi. I'm going to give a gift to Suzanne. I'm going to give a, a gift to, uh, to Sarah. I'm not expecting anything back. It is a free gift. God, the original gift giver, gives a gift and that this gift is not by our works. It's from God. None of us can boast about what God does. It's it's all in, in him. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, yes, to do good works, that God has prepared in advance for us to do. The gift of God through Jesus abolishes the merit system of social and personal renewal the merit system that you have to get it together on your own you have to figure out the instructions you have to follow all the instructions on your own and you will become a better person that's the that's the system that rules most philosophy in this world today and and since the world began you got to get it together on your own but the good news that was announced when that angel came to those working class shepherds out in the fields was something different has come. God is doing something different and it starts with a little baby who is 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 in the town of Bethlehem and those those shepherds went and raced to find out what really was going on. Jesus was born as a human baby and yet he was also the creator God. He lived and displayed what God was actually life. And then he was killed and his death allowed for our human freedom. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the good news. The gospel has often been described as the worst news ever, followed by the best news possible. We are in desperate shape. We are never going to get it together. If you're you're looking for an instruction manual, hey, that feels good for the first moment until you recognize you don't have the materials to actually make the thing. God in Jesus has given the material for us to live transformed lives, and this is the best news ever. A God who loves us The God who cares for every person. The angel said that this will be good news for all people. Every person on the planet has access to this good news. It's not good news just for one sect or one group, it's good news for everybody. And it's God's desire that everybody would have great joy because no longer do we live under the oppressive system of you've got to get together. You got the instructions now, get your life together. It doesn't work. God needs to give us the materials. And in Jesus, he's done that. A baby becomes a man, lives, teaches, dies, and is resurrected. And because of that resurrection, we have hope for a resurrected life too. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Since the, the kids have flesh and blood... He too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all of their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. See, now we live in, 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 in fear of death because, again, we've been given instruction manuals, and if those instruction manuals only are, you get it together on your own, and if you don't, that's it for you, you're going to be dead. That's a fearful thing. That's bad news. Jesus came and lived as flesh and blood so that we can have hope. Hope for a new kind of life, not just in the future, but here and now. The, uh, the shepherds, the story reads, when they, when they got this, and when they went and actually saw Jesus and they had started to comprehend what happened and what was going on in their own experience, it says that they, they went and they saw the baby, and when they uh, saw this, they went back and started to communicate to other people, and everybody was amazed at what the uh, shepherds said to them. And the shepherds uh, returned to their uh, fields, let's imagine, early that morning, and they glorified and praised God for all the things that they had heard and seen and what they had been told. This is the, the outcome recognition of the true good news, good news that God has worked and is working on our behalf, that just because things might be miserable for us now, for you now, that there is hope for your future, not just distant future, but there is hope for your future now, and as you embrace God's work this Christmas season, as you embrace that, man, when that little baby came, the game changed, things are different now. The merit-based system is dead and gone. Don't keep living under that system. There's a new system in place, and that system is you embrace the work of God through that baby who became a man and, and, and lived and died and rose again, that things are going to be different, not just for the world, but for you. This is the good news of the Christmas season. God has worked on our behalf, and he wants to keep working in your experience here and now, today. I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. I hope that the good news of the gospel can bring great joy in your experience and that we don't allow the good news to be uh, institutionalized or or marginalized and that the good news isn't bad news for us because we're only obsessed with what we got to get done in our experience. May God's spirit work in your heart and give you joy that only comes from Him. Amen.